Well, welcome back as we're in a Voice in the Distance Ministries going through the book of Exodus chapter 21. And we're moving along pretty good here. Can't believe we're already more or less halfway through almost with uh, the book of Exodus. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, I wish I could move a little faster through it. But again, you know... Time is good. Time is good to soak in the things that we read, and and the things that we read from the Word of God should not be necessarily rushed. Because, again, these are the most important things that we're ever going to read in our life. And so, the last couple of messages that were done were in regards to that of the famous Ten Commandments. And I broke it up in two different chapters, uh, or, or different sermons, if you will, with first the vertical commandments to God, then second the horizontal commandments in regards to one another. And in, in chapter 21, now it's going to get very interesting in, in the next couple of chapters, because, you know, we've always questioned, you know, where did our laws come from in our countries, or in our states, or wherever, wherever it is that we live? Who created these things, these, these laws of, of uh, moral attributes, or, or of just punishment, whatever the case may be? Well, we're going to observe where they originated from. And so it's interesting, because when we look at something simple like the Ten Commandments... Okay, he gave us ten commandments. And we've read them, we know them. But again, meeting somebody who's followed all ten of those is, is not going to be something that's, uh, that's usual. <laughs> yeah, every one of us has, has broken one or more of those commandments in our lifetime. So the question is, is do we look at these laws that God put before us with, uh, uh, with care, with concern? It's interesting, you know, when you're in the military, it's kind of a, a no-questions-asked kind of mindset and, and development. You know, we, we have this regimented system of rules that is very strictly enforced and, and very strictly followed, okay? Because these rules are designed to instill like discipline and, 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 and things in the soldiers to command when to get up, when to sleep, how to perform your duties and, you know, in the camp, uh, how to clean your firearms. Uh, and then, of course, you have your strategies of, of survival training and, and, and war. And the Ten Commandments are like this, this type of rule in a sense, but with, with again, more of a foundational issue of life. And so, God, you know, God knew his people needed rules to live well on earth. They're, they're not arbitrary guidelines, uh, you know, if you will, but they're, they're, not, they're not guidelines to, to squash fun and joy out of life, but rather these are just following God's rules wholeheartedly with a no-questions-asked demeanor. Why? Because these are the things that lead to life. You know, in the military, they, they train you to survive. They train you to, uh, to make it, if you will. Nowadays, they, we've become so more, such more advanced in, in our training, from what I've heard over the years, that it's gone even above and beyond that. Well, that's what the Word of God does. It goes above and beyond all of that. Now, 
when we when we're going to be looking at these particular chapters here in the next in the next uh, couple of chapters in regards to elaborating on these commandments you know i found them very interesting because again you know now we're seeing where the stuff came from we're seeing the original documents of of our laws that we follow in our t- our day today and and what we've done over the years and lord willing it will continue to because these these laws help us to live in life but we got to remember that everything that God did when he gave us rules or when he gave us things to live by, when he gave us scripture, because so often we are more concerned about just ourselves, you know. We, we're concerned more about how things pertain to us or whatever the case may be. We're not too worried about what God wants or what God says. But, you know, what can we get out of it is a very typical mindset of today's day and age. And it's probably been for many years. But even more so in, in the day and age we're living in for... Uh, considering what I've witnessed over the years, and myself and other strong believers have also witnessed this as well, from what I've heard. And if you've observed very carefully everything that was said by God, everything that he said started with him. The commandments to God, the first five, were directed in regards to to worshiping and, and, and living by him. And then it had to do with living and dealing with others and ourselves. When we look at other epistles in the New Testament, such as like certain epistles that that the Apostle Paul had written, let's give Ephesians, for example, or the book of Romans. The first first few chapters always were in regards to our relationship with God. And then second was in our life applications to to ourselves and one another. So now that God has covered everything that that we want to be doing in regards to living with him and for him, now we're getting into that aspect of how to deal with one another, but God first in all things, right? And and so we're looking at that, and that's what we're going to observe here in, in the responsibilities that we have amongst one another here on earth. So let's go ahead and jump in because, again, it's, I, it's very interesting to see where things come from. And we look and say, that's where it came from. It came from God because God is good all the time. And, and so we want to make sure that we're doing good by God all the time. And this is why we have what we have in the Word of God. In chapter 21 and verses 1 through 6, it says, Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. Now this is God talking to Moses, elaborating on, on the commandments, if you will, but giving a more in-depth outlook because that's what God does if you buy a Hebrew servant in verse 2 he shall serve six years and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing if he comes in by himself he shall go out by himself if he comes in married then his wife shall go out with him if his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself but if The servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. And then his master shall bring him to the judges, and he shall also bring uh, to him to the door or the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Now, what we're looking at is ancient times of what was in the form of employment. And, you know, we look in the term of slaves, as it says. It was not in the form of slavery that we have observed, that we've observed over history of the mistreatment of people. Why? Because the, the Israelites were slaves to the worst conditions in Egypt. The people in the, in the law given by God 
these guys were to be cared for and protected by their masters versus what, uh, what we have observed in our history in that of abuse. None of this was forced. Okay, there was reasons that one would be of uh, be of debt to one another, because we will see in the next verse that a father would send his daughter as a servant into a household, eventually marrying into it. See, some people lost everything they had, so they took being a slave to someone as a means of making it. Or maybe a thief would become a slave uh, to someone to pay back a debt. Now, we do that to this day and age, if you think about it. If, we, if we've lost everything, we have to pay something in the form of a debt. We might be, we might be a slave to bankruptcy, or we might be a slave to some form of, uh, of something in the government, or to, or, or to a company, that we would be forced to pay back something. There's, there was a price to pay. These were the ancient ways of doing it in the East. Now, God gives a timeline here. This, this was not a forced thing after that six-year period. You, you had the choice to go free or to stay with that person who you worked for. Because the servant would go before the judges and, and they would pierce their ear with like a little wooden spike. And, and that was the identification that they were a bond servant to the master forever out of loyalty. You know, it's funny because I, I see younger people who have piercings and they walk around with a, with a similar looking spike in their ear. Now, they're doing it for a fashion trend. As this was an identity, like a wedding ring. And, and looking at the apostles in the New Testament, in the beginning of some of their uh, epistles, they would state their name and say, I am a bondservant of Christ or a bondslave. But without the piercing of the old days in, the, in, in this time and place. We're free to come and go today, but in the heart of others, God blessed them for their loyalty to the Lord. Okay, that's that's where it's at. Because without piercing, without piercing, without markings of sorts, our hearts and our lives are in the same place of that bond servant. We don't have to pierce our ear, but we have dedicated our hearts and our minds to the Lord. Because Jesus was preaching to a group of people in the Gospels, and many turned and walked away because they did not like what they heard. And Jesus looked at his own disciples and said, Are you going to walk away too? And then the Apostle Peter said, Lord, where, where will we go? You hold the words to eternal life. And many years, many years after the death of Jesus, the epistles were written. And as they called themselves bondservants of Christ, they proved that they were by, that they were by the course that they stayed in their love and servanthood to the Lord. Now, in, in some way, shape, or form... We are bond slave to something or someone. Most of the time it's something of temporary employment. Uh, we serve others. We serve companies we work for. And, and, and we serve debt. We serve habits and hobbies. And, 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 and what have they done for us? See, if I can give some personal insight, anything that I've done for the Lord was never a waste of time. It was never in vain. It was the best time ever. See, if it pleased the Lord, then what more could I want? And every opportunity is a blessing and a joy. What I am doing here is done out of a calling. It's done out of passion. And more than anything, it's done out of worship to God, being that of a voice in the distance and everything else that's being done. He implemented things here for the benefit of the people on both sides. So let's continue here in verse 7 on to, to see exactly what it is he's talking about. In verse 7 of um, chapter 21. 
If a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, he shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master, who has betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to to sell her to a foreign people, since he has dealt deceitfully with her. And if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. If he takes another wife, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marriage rights. And if he does not do these things, these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. Now, we're really getting into some interesting content. And again, the importance of expository teaching is vital because of the misconceptions people have in regards to the ways of God. From a cultural standpoint in these days, the women were not treated with dignity and respect in regards to the people or the culture. But not so, not so with God here. See, we're observing protective rights for women, given by God Himself. Okay, because if we if we today reading this, we'll say, how in the world could someone sell sell their children to be slaves? Well, it happened. It happened because some became in such financial dire straits that that was the last resort for survival. Because we got to remember, there was no form of financial aid. Financial aid was, was, was not in existence then. See, the men would serve for six years and had the option to leave. A woman was there for life with the intention of marriage one day. And these are all extreme measures, but especially for one's daughter. See, thinking about this, thinking about this, it would cause someone to really consider their actions in life to resort to selling children to pay off a debt that was made in most likely a foolish decision. This was an option, not for reward of doing well, but for a payoff with a heavy price. Now, this would be a law of consider your actions here if you become in a place to where you're forced to do such things. And as I was studying this passage, it made me stop and, and it just literally made my heart sink as I thought about the scenario if I were there at that time. You know, it's, it's hard enough sending your child to school for the first time, seeing their fearful demeanors. But you see, they're coming home with you hours later. Now, God in his loving, protective demeanor gave this law to protect Okay, he said, if a man sells his daughter to slavery. If. God did not say it is good to do because this would be man's actions. God, being all-knowing, knew how to clean up a mess that someone else made. We don't go to a doctor to catch a cold or a flu. We go there to be helped or cured of it. And it wasn't the doctor's fault that someone got sick. It was inherited by another person that gave it to you. Now, what God is doing here is giving the instruction on how to handle things if someone goes down that road because only God knows the foolish things people do on a daily basis around the world. She was not to be messed with. She was not to be harmed. And she was not to be without means. Right? Somebody saying, okay, go sleep on the floor after you've had your bread and water. If her parents released her, she had no protector human-wise. But she does divine wise. 
And it was put in writing for all to know. If she does not marry within that household, then she goes free. Free of obligation. Free of, of financial debt. And now she is free to start over. Why? Because no other nation that has adopted slavery took to such measure, measures of protection and kindness, and yet alone the females. I, I just have to say how much I love God and how privileged I am to be doing this, because simply just making Him known, making God known is just because He is holy. God is just, because God is holy. And we will see why on how He handles the next law that He gives in verse 12. Now this is in regards to physical violence. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall, shall be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him by treachery. You shall take him by, from my altar that he may die. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, as we went through the Ten Commandments, God is now giving more detail in regards to the law we observed. Thou shalt not murder. And many have, many have asked, what happens if someone kills? Okay, because a lot of people mistaken, they'll take the Ten Commandments, that thou shalt not kill. No, it said thou shalt not murder. There is a difference. Okay, and, and, we, and we see now that there was a difference accidental. Deaths happen and it's a horrible, it's horrible, but premeditated murder is payable on death. God said murder in the commandment. The Hebrew word for kill is different from murder, so that way we know the difference. See, God will institute refuge cities for those who accidentally killed someone, so they can be protected from a relative coming after the one who killed the other. They, uh, the Lord referred to them as a blood avenger. Say, for instance, you know, somebody was accidentally killed. They had a place to hide in a, in a protective city claiming sanctuary. And nobody could touch them inside of that city. If they were, if they were found innocent of murder. Okay, because, because these are capital crimes that God is speaking of. Capital crimes that are in the same order in our day and age. Why? Because man was created in the image of God. And to take the life of another was an abomination in the eyes of God. He continues in verse 18. Let's take a look here. If, if men contend with each other, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die but is confined to his bed, if he rises again and walks about outside with his staff, then he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of his time, and shall provide for him to be thoroughly healed. And if a man beats his male or female servant with a rod, so that he dies under his head, hand, he shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if he remains alive a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he, for he is his property. 
If men fight and hurt a woman with child, so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if any harm follows then, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. If a man strikes the eye of his male or, or female servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. And if he knocks out uh, the tooth of his male or female servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of his tooth. So now we're, you know, we're looking at assault charges. And again, slavery in the ancient days of the Israelites... We're, we're not what we know as slavery in recent history. A slave was to be protective and never harmed. No one was to assault another. Okay, first and foremost. But the punishment would fit the crimes. If someone is injured to where they could not work, then you would pay the difference of their lost wages. If you strike your slave, then you are guilty as well. But, but now we're getting into some interesting concepts of harming a pregnant woman and causing a birth issue. We have seen where pregnant wives would try to break up a fight and, and would get hurt in the process. And if something were to happen to the childbirth, then the settlement was to be had by the assaulter and the husband of the wife. Now, if there was a death involved, then the death would be punish, punishment. Okay, Because if a master harms their slave, knocks out a tooth, blackens an eye, or causes blindness, then they're to be set free. No questions asked. Now, this to me is interesting because we see the beginning of laws on earth. We're observing the mind of God and how to handle situations that no one could ever have had the ability to do on their own. Because there are countries. Now, there's very few countries that are lawless countries. And they're a complete mess because of it. And man has changed some laws over time. And in some countries, some laws are stricter than others. But over time... Things on earth have been going on, and obviously the things that God named off were the obvious issues. We look at laws as a curse word. And when it was for the protection of society, the, the ways of God are not to harm, but to love and unite, where the ways of the devil are to divide and destroy. And again, these were given to protect one another in different circumstances and cases. I like what God told the, the, the prophet Jeremiah. He says, I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And that is the heart of God. Never to harm, but to give preventative instructions with the punishment if broken. See, we're quick to accept these things when we've been wronged. <laughs> but we always ask for mercy when we're guilty. Again, God is always good, right? Verse 28. If a man, if an ox gores a man, now we're going into animal control laws. We're going into a whole other ball game here. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horn in times past, and it has been made known to his owner, and he has not kept it confined so that it has killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life. 
whatever is imposed on him. Whether it has gored a son or gored a daughter, according to this, uh, to this judgment, it shall be done for him. If the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. You know, this is not something we see much uh, of or hear about uh, much today, but looking at the results, it sounds, it sounds good, right? Animals do things unexpected at times. They cannot stand up for themselves in a court uh, of what and why, so, so for safety's sake, it is to be put down, and that's how it worked. In our day and age, if a dog attacks a person out of nowhere, the dog gets put to sleep, and, and restitution is paid to the victim. But, if the owner knows the ox is violent, and, and it has a tendency to attack anyone it sees, now you are held personally responsible, and for the protection of those around. Okay, the owner and the animal would be stoned, because now you're a liability knowing that the animal has, you know, violent tendencies. If someone's slave gets killed then you are to pay 30 shekels, okay? That was the typical cost of a slave in this day. It was actually 30 pieces of silver that Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus with. <laughs> there was responsibility and ownership of an animal, as well as precaution for protecting those around, right? The last thing people ask for at a pet store is for a rabbit animal to take home. So God, again, is elaborating on things here, with perfection. Let's finish off in verse 33 as it says here. And if a man opens a pit, or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls in it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to their owner, but the dead animal shall be his. If one man's ox hurts another so that it dies, then they shall uh, sell the live ox and divide the money from it, and the dead ox they shall also divide. Or if it was known that the ox tended to thrust in time past, and its owner has not kept it confined, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead animal shall be his own. Now, when someone goes after another for restitution, the common phrase said that it's a matter of principle. And it was the principle of God. Why? Because pits were normally dug for storage, like grain and whatever, whatever else that they held. But we can see in other biblical passages that they, uh, that they were used for trapping people or animals. Uh, Joseph, in, in the book of Genesis, was led into a pit by his own brothers in Genesis to be sold as a slave. Okay, the ox back then was equivalent to what would be a tractor to a modern day farmer. They were a big part of someone's livelihood or just everyday use. It was definitely an important commodity to a farmer or anyone with land in need of an ox. These were principles. And there were principles of fairness. Because the Israelites will eventually, they're going to settle down. They will have property and they're going to have possessions. So God is setting up the laws now. That they will know them when the time comes. You know, they're on the move right now, okay? As we're reading right now, they're on the move. They just got the Ten Commandments from Moses on the mount. And within time, more laws will come, but these are the basics in regards to typical and practical society laws on how to deal with them. We see some of these and say, yes, we still use these laws today. Well, now we know where they came from, amen? But we see through this that God 
was wise above all the wisest. We see that God was fair beyond the most fair people. And that God truly cared for them and gave ways to care for one another. You know, laws are broken all the time, back then and now. But God was always merciful. But the most merciful thing that God could have done for us is sending our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus to die for the sins of the world. Because, see, when we, when we open a pit and cause someone to fall into it, only Christ would deliver him or her and then pay the debt when we mess up. But, you know, we must repent. That's the key. When, when we dig a pit and somebody falls in, Christ will deliver them and he'll pay our debt. But we must repent. That is the key for this. We must believe and receive him in our hearts as Lord and Savior. Because God had a plan. But at this time, during the Exodus, this was what was to be done. But we live in the now. When we have access to God through the Lord and Savior, you know, there's a place in heaven. Forgiveness of sins, okay, and a guide while we're here who loves us and cares for us and watches over us. And as always, through the learning of God's word, there is an opportunity to receive Christ and that's of that of salvation. And if you feel led, as always, at the end of every message, if you feel led to receive, I want you to say this prayer with me in your heart. And I want you to say it with me in truth. Because God gave a way. God gave a way to eternal life. And that was through his son, Christ Jesus, who died on a cross for our sins. And, he, and the Lord said himself that whosoever should believe in me will have everlasting life. Well, I want to ask, even though we read what we read in the Old Testament, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, if the Holy Spirit has, has given you a, a clear message that it's okay. Come to the Lord. And stop everything that you've been doing. And receive eternal life. It's a simple through a prayer of truth. And he's been wanting and he's been wanting you and he's been he's been planning for your arrival. So I want to give you the opportunity right now if you feel led to say this prayer after me. Dear God, Please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner, Lord. Cleanse me of all of my sins. And I thank you, Lord, for dying for me on the cross. I thank you, Lord, for coming down and doing what you did. And I thank you most of all right now for receiving me. As Lord, as I receive you right now in my heart as my Lord and my Savior, come into my heart right now, Lord, as you are my Father. And Lord, may I walk with you all of my days. And may I be with you when my time comes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as always, may God bless you. And may he continue to keep you. Again, he's been wanting you for, for a long time. So I want to congratulate you if you've, if you've taken this time to, to hear the word of God. 
and to receive the Lord into your heart. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do. But, you know, we must remember to continue to walk with Him, to grow in Him, be in His Word, be in prayer, be in fellowship with one another, and most of all with Him. And see what He does. You know, life will not be perfect, but eternity will be now. And that's why we're doing what we're doing, is to make sure that we all get home. May God bless and keep you.